I mean, doesn't that line just capture the heart of it, what we're doing here? In this game, there is no second place. You know, there isn't. There is no second place in this game. And uh, I can't tell you how excited I am here today to talk to you about this game. This game that we're all engaged in just by virtue of sitting here in the stands right now. And this game that we've come to see is so much more than a game. You know what I mean? And, and, and what it means to play it and what it means to get ready for it. I think of these two teams that are squaring off today and how badly each of us, each of them must want it and how badly entire regions and cities and spectrums of, of, of this nation want it. How many people are turning out and pulling for it and invested at layers that go deeper than just a couple hours on a Sunday, you know? But deep in their core are going, man, I mean, just pulling for this to win and we get to talk about a bigger game here today. Man, and I just, I cannot wait to start sharing with you here today what it means to play this game. Now, um, during the sharing of the piece, I saw some beautiful moments happening there, by the way. I mean, I saw like, you know, Bears and Packers fans holding hands and hugging and praying. For, you know, it was just amazing. I did come to find out that we have uh, two of the youngest, uh, the youngest Bears player and the, or the youngest Bears fan and the younger pa- youngest Packers fan here in the room today. I want to introduce them to you. Uh, if you'd come on up, youngest Bears and youngest Packers fans. So this is Ainsley. Am I getting the name right? Yeah. Ainsley, and how old's Ainsley? Three and a half weeks. Three and a half weeks. And this is Jonathan, and how old's Jonathan? Seven and a half weeks. Seven and a half weeks. And did you see the one already give him the eye, just like looking at him like, you know, it starts young? Hey guys, congratulations. It... By the way, um, Packers fans, this is totally up to you. I mean, let's see how, how confident you are in the game today. Had someone also come up to me today and say, I've got another bet, and it's a bet that I want to lay before the entire congregation, at least the Packers in the congregation. She said, see, my mom has got the, the Super Bowl shuffle, shuffle on like an A-track back from like, you know, the mid-80s or something. And like, what if the Bears win? Would the Packer fans uh, be confident enough to like put themselves on the line and say, we'll get up and do the Super Bowl shuffle two weeks from today? So Packers, what do you think? No, you don't, you don't have enough faith in your team, huh? You know, you're not owning it enough, huh? You know, um, last fall, we, uh, we, we started talking here together about what it means to be in this game, and, and we asked a very fundamental question last September. As a church, are we winning any games? I mean, we like coming. We enjoy cheering for the team, but are we winning games? Are we winning games for the kingdom? Personally, are you winning games? the game. Are you, do you feel like you are winning the game that God has asked you to play? You know, uh, Paul, he writes, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. See, I think it's easy to think in, in Christian circles because of such acceptance and because of such love that the competition ceases to exist. And I'm not talking the competition between churches or between believers in some kind of weird, distorted way. No, I'm talking the real game. The victory over sin. The victory to be who God calls you to be in this world. 
and in relationship with him for eternity. And, and make no mistake about it, the competitive drive that God gives to people, it's meant to be channeled into something. God doesn't come and say, hey, just play the game, and if you have fun, that's all that matters. He says, no, play in such a way as to win. Play to get that prize. You know, um, this past December, a lot of you knew that I received this call to a church in Michigan to uh, go pastor up there. And um, before we get into that any, any deeper, I just kind of want to set some context on that because every time this happens, um, there's almost like this, this odd breath that gets sucked out of the room among people as they go, what does this mean and what is the implications and is he, and is he looking and, is, and, and why, why is he out there and is he trying to find something new? And, and, and all the speculation starts to run around about why this might have happened and where it comes from. And, and guys, I just want to talk to you a little bit about that today. You know, in the denomination that we, we choose to belong to here at Fellowship of Faith, called the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, pastors receive calls. It's just the way the denomination works. See, the way the denomination works is that even though every congregation is independent, there's an idea that each congregation is supposed to exist for something bigger than itself. And that what we're supposed to be is just a player in the team striving for this kingdom. And sometimes what that means is different players might play better in other positions on other parts of the team. You following the metaphor and what I mean? And so what the, the synod will just do of its own accord is as churches are looking for places and missions are growing and ministries are, 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 are blossoming, what they'll do is they'll just send the names of people out to these churches going, I think that this guy might be a good fit here. See, a lot of people come up to me in these times and ask me things like, you know, so like, do you have your name on a list? How come you keep getting these calls? Um, guys... I have never put my name on a list in my 11 years in ministry. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think there is a list. I, I think the list is an urban legend. I, I think no such lists exist. See, because the way it works is someone just sees you and they drop your name at a church. Or these people that we call the district presidents who oversee large sections of our congregation. They just know you and they go, yeah, you're looking for a church, you in Michigan? I think your name would work there. So I want to tell you right here and right now, I am not out looking. I do not have my name on a list. And, and I thank you for the eight of you who gave me applause on that. <laughs> no, no, you know, because, man, this, this is a team that I want to play for. Because I think what's happening here at Fellowship of Faith is nothing short of incredible. And I think the possibilities of what this team can be are staggering to the imagination if we would come together with a hunger to win as we play this game. And, and, you know, and I'm here to tell you, these calls, they're going to keep coming. It's just an inevitability of this congregation. And so I say that to relieve a fear that I'm looking to drop the team and run off to the Vikings. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm letting you... I, I'll tell you how this works, guys. I mean, you know, I got back from the monastery. It was the New Year's. I get home. There's an answering... Uh, there's a call on my answering machine. I don't know what it's about. I don't return it because it's probably a telemarketer or something, right? Reagan comes and hands me the phone. This is about a week ago. Just 
uh, hands me a phone and goes, Dave, or Dad, she doesn't call me Dave, Dad, <laughs> there's this guy on the phone who wants to talk to you. Now, there's a cardinal rule in our house. You never pick up the phone unless you know who it is. Dad, there's this guy who wants to talk to you. I'm like, who is it? I don't know. Hi, this is Dave. How you doing? And he goes, hey, Pastor Gadini, it's so good to talk to you. And I'm like, who am I talking to? You, you know? Hey, um, this is, and I'll save the name, but I'm with 1C Church in Columbus, Nebraska. I'm just calling to let you know that we issued you a call. I turned down Michigan Christmas New Year's come. Just a week ago, I'm sitting on another call. Guys, I'm telling you today, I turned it down. I turned it down and I let them know I turned it down. Because this is a team that, you know... But I got to tell you, this is what I love about getting calls. It forces you to take a hard look. It forces you to take a really hard look at your life, at the ministry situation you're in, and at the things that you think personally God might be calling you to. And it forces you to ask the hard question, am I playing on the right team? And this is just the process of it. This is what every pastor has to go through as they ask this kind of thing. And it forces you to evaluate what would it mean to continue playing here? What would it mean to this church? What would it mean to that church? And, and more importantly, what would it mean to the kingdom? What would it mean to go up there? It's a real soul-searching kind of time. It's a healthy kind of time. You know, it was in the midst of this, uh, this December call that, you know, you, you get these moments these 5 a.m. moments where you can't sleep because even though your mind is pretty made up, you're still trying to stay open to what God is trying to say. And so the wrestling and the churning begins. And what I did is in just kind of this moment of like maybe bleary-eyed fogginess or maybe just utterly amazing lucidity, I just started to write. And I just sat at my keyboard and I just started to write, God, what, what do I think needs to happen at Fellowship of Faith? What would our scorecard look like if we were winning games? And I started writing things down. Implications for leaders. What would it mean for the leaders of this church to be leaders who, who aggressively are leading together on the floor, bringing our church forward? What would it look like for our board of directors? What would it look like for our elders? What would it look like for our staff? started looking at like projects here around this church. What are just the practical things that would need to be happening? What, I was looking at ministries. What would need to be happening in the ministries? And where would I see these ministries going? And what would it look like in people's lives? And I could share all of that with you sometime. But another thing that I started doing is I started writing down what I thought the scoreboard would look like after a year if we as a church were a church that we're committed to winning games. Here's what I put. What would our scoreboard look like if we as a church were going to be a church that were committed to winning games? You know, we've been hanging here at this 200 mark with adults for a long time. Church growth people will tell you that breaking this barrier is one of the hardest things a church will ever do. For some reason, Regardless of geographical location, regardless of denomination, regardless of style, churches tend to plateau at 200. And it's a level when they have to ask themselves a hard question. Are we content to be who we are and keep doing what we're doing? 
Or are we going to dig down with every last ounce of power to break this barrier and go to the next level of reaching new people and seeing more come in to the body of Christ? And what I put is that if we're going to start winning games, what it would look like, among other things on our scorecard, is that we would have 300 people here regularly. Not one Sunday, not Easter, not Christmas. I mean, as part of our regular fair any given Sunday morning. It would look like 60 to 100 people in 114 engaging into these deeper spiritual practices and wrestling out together in community. What it looks like to take on a daily life of Christ in their personal life. We'd have 100 people in discipleship groups and Christianity 101. These would go from being peripherals or satellites to what life is like in the church to being something central. And it would be evidenced by the amount of people in it that we would bust out beyond this Sunday to Sunday just making the bills kind of flow. That we'd start to prevail in this way. That we'd start to build surpluses to be prepared for when the Spirit presents something before us that we could seize it and not be hampered by something as stupid as money. That leaders would be leading the way. And in that December morning, I just started jotting these things down. Looking at what that scorecard would be like. You know, in, 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 in thinking about the scorecard, I think about the game today. I think about how badly these two teams want it. And I think about all the people drawing up around their individual side, how badly they want it for their team. I think about the energy and the effort and the sacrifice that these people in Green Bay and these, this team we call the Bears have had to pour in to get ready for a chance like they're going to have today. I mean, think about this. It doesn't get bigger than this, does it? i got to stand now. Get going. It doesn't get bigger than this, does it, in this geographical locale? I mean, Bears, Packers, playing this game? I mean, this is bigger than anything. And it's ironic to me how this, this rivalry between these two teams that's so old has become a picture of something even in the NFL. I mean, think about it. Today we're playing for the NFC, right? And what is the trophy that gets won for the NFC? George Hall's trophy, Right? named after player, famous coach of the Bears. And the winner of this game gets to go and play for what trophy? The Vince Lombardi trophy. Coach of the Packers. How the two biggest games in the entire league are named after people and this rivalry right here. You know, we did this earlier, but I want to do it again. I want to ask you, who wants their team to win? Now, I'm going to show a picture again. And if you want your team to win, I want to hear it. Make heaven rumble. All right? You ready for this? All right, let's see what happens. All right. Okay? Yeah! 
How uh, Blackhawks, man, someone beat that child. <laughs> How awesome is that, right? But you know what? Let's have it, let, let just let's sober up for a moment. Me wanting my team to win has absolutely no impact on whether they win. Me wanting the Bears to win is not going to affect if they win this game or not. And me wanting the Packers to win is not going to affect whether they win or not. And guys, I'm here to tell you, me wanting fellowship of faith, you wanting fellowship of faith to win, ultimately is not going to affect if fellowship of faith wins or not. You know why? Because winning does not come down to wanting to win alone. It comes down to fighting for it and striving for it and sacrificing for it and giving it your all. I think of these two teams that, were, that, that are out there. You know, it, it comes down to being out there on the field practicing when it's 20 degrees below zero. It comes to doing passes and drills a thousand times over and over and over again. It takes being out there on the field when you feel like it, when you're hurt, when you're injured, when you're sick, when other stuff is going on in your life, when you just want to stay in bed. It takes that sacrifice of being in the game, training day after day after day, sacrificing and sweating and bleeding so that when the time comes, you're ready and your team can win. You know, I think of a couple of years ago when the Bears were in the Super Bowl. I think it was Super Bowl 41, right? It was Bears-Colts. You know, if you don't remember the game well, you might remember the two quarterbacks. You had Rex Grossman for the Bears and you had Peyton Manning uh, um, for the Colts. And uh, you might remember that in that game. Um, it rained. It was wet out there on the field. And uh, Rex had several fumbles that game bobbled some stuff, just, you know, slipping out of his hands. It, it was a mess. Manning? Not one. We all know who won that game. Colts, by the way, if you're not a football guy. It, you know, a reporter found this out a couple weeks later. I don't know how it got pieced around, but they kind of found out that uh, Peyton Manning in the center would just spend days practicing, just the two of them. See, this is what would happen. The center would take soaking wet footballs. And he'd hike them back to Peyton Manning. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times so he could get used to catching a wet, slippery ball. And think about it, half of his games were played in the dome. But he knew that the game might come when he would have to handle something like that. And he drilled and he drilled and he trained and he trained and when game time came, <laughs> right? What happened? You know, Manning did what he could do off the field to enable him to do what he ordinarily would not be able to do when game time came. It's kind of a mouthful, but did you follow that? Manning did what he could do when he was off the field in order to get himself ready to do what he would otherwise not be able to do when game time would come and roll around. We do not grow by simply saying, I want to grow. I want my team to win. You know, I think in, in, in church circles, we often think of victory 
something like this. I want to show you a clip. This might be a bit of a flashback, but kind of taken in. You know, honestly, though, isn't that how often we approach the game with Christ? We, we get this promise of victory, and, and we want it, but we think it's just going to come. No matter what we do, how we commit, and how we train. And I'm here to tell you today, victory in your life is not going to come by spiritual chocolate donuts. You know what I mean? If we really want to win the game. Man, the implications are going to go so much deeper than this. Paul writes, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, right? Who wins this game today will be forgotten about next, week, next year, except by statisticians. They go into strict training for a game that comes and fades away. But we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. Are you winning any games? Are we winning any games? Guys, I, I just got to tell you, I want to win. I want you to win. I want us to win. I want to win games. And the only way that's going to happen is by for us coming together and rising to the challenge. Guys, I'm just here to tell you today, get in the game. You know, what does that mean? Get in the game. You, you know, I started writing some things in conjunction last December with that scorecard I showed you just a little bit ago. And I asked myself the fundamental question, what would it look like if this church together as a whole were zealously in the game, were throwing in their all? I mean, what would be indicators or signs? What would be the training camp? What would be the practices? What would be the stuff going on that you as a coach could sit there and tell, this player is playing or this player is just coasting this contract? You know what I mean? And what I did is I came up with what I just identified is, is a core five. Five core things that I think entail what it means for every believer to be training for the game. Let's share them with you today. Number one, it comes down to worship. Worship 40 plus times at FOF per year. You know, I'll be honest with you. Originally, when I wrote this, I put worship every week. But you know what? If you're going to call someone to a challenge, it's got to be real, and it's got to be realistic, and it's got to be measurable. And the reality is, you know what? You're going to get sick. The reality is, you're probably going to leave one week on vacation. The reality is, you're going to be called to go to a kid's, uh, you know, one of your relatives' kids' baptism or a wedding out of town. The reality is, there's going to be people that miss. There's people in the National Guard. There's people that work on Sundays, I know. But to be here 40 plus times per year at Fellowship of Faith, in my mind, it strikes me as a pattern that feels regular. That this is a regular part of what I do. Now, you know, for some of you sitting here today, this is like no brainer, you know? I mean, I'm doing this anyway. But for some of you sitting here today, you know, me saying this has got to sound like the most daunting task. But I got to tell you, 
A team can never start winning games if its players don't show up. If we want to be winning games and you want to be finding that victory, it's got to start by immersing yourself in game time. Would you agree? I mean, I love what, what the writer of the Hebrews says. Draw near to God with a sincere heart and consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Do you know that's what we're supposed to be doing here? Spurring each other on. Do you know what spurs are? I mean, honestly, do you know what spurs are? It's like these pointy things guys in Texas wear on their boots. And what do you do with a spur? You kick a horse. Now, do you kick a horse to put a gash in its side so it starts flowing blood? No, you're not supposed to like draw flesh. But it's kind of, come on, you can do it, right? It's to nudge them on. Do you know that that's what we're supposed to be doing here as a body? Spurring each other on. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing. But encourage each other all the more. Showing up when it's time to play. Number two, participate in an FOF spiritual formation group or Christianity 101. We talked about this last fall. In your spiritual life, Sunday morning will only take you so far. Sunday morning is not designed to train you individually. Go back to that Peyton Manning story, right? You know, when the team would gather together to practice on the field, Peyton and his center weren't allowed to go off and work on their individual thing. That was something that they had to pour into on extra time. And I tell you, Peyton would not be the player he is today if it wasn't for what he did outside of team practice. That's all these things are. Investing myself into something where one-on-one, with, with a small group of other people, plunging deep into the spiritual realities of life, plunging deep into God, and plunging deep into discerning what the call is for him on my life. Guys, you are not going to get that. Not in the way you need in this room on Sunday mornings alone. If you want to win games, you've got to train hard, and this is how you do it. Get in a group. You know, there's some of you here that are actively invested in groups outside of Fellowship of Faith. And you've come to love it, and you've come to grow, and you've come to reach new heights, and I'm here to say that's an amazing thing. But don't let that be a substitute for also training here. Because if we want this team to win, ultimately we got to start building something here. And I can't tell you how many people in this church are looking for something deeper and we've got nowhere to put them because there isn't enough sustainable groups because people are looking elsewhere. Guys, I want to encourage you, if you're in a group outside of Fellowship of Faith, continue to thrive on it, but get in one here as well. There's other you sitting in this room right now going, when? When on earth Am I going to fit one more thing in? Man, we're all busy. Crazy busy. <laughs> Maybe busier than any other time in history. All of us are poured, pulled in a thousand different directions. But guys, I'm here to tell you, if you want it bad enough, there is a way. Make it a priority. Train. Devote yourself to it. And come and talk to me. We will work with you. We will find out whatever it takes 
to make this happen. We've got groups meeting right now that we would love to to plug you in that are meeting literally every day of the week. We've got groups that are meeting PMs and we've got groups that are meeting AMs. We've got groups that are meeting weekends. We've got groups that are meeting weekdays. Guys, we've got plans in the work for groups designed for couples. Guys, we've got plans in the works for groups designed for families. Think about this. Have you ever realized this in the small group world? We're called first and foremost to disciple our family, but the first thing a small group does is take us away from our family as we try to push our kids off somewhere so we can go and grow. Now, that can be hugely important to have that individual time to grow. But at some level, don't you want to be pouring in and sharing it with your family as well? We can show you how to have a small group with your kids and your spouse right in your house together so that you're not running away from the kids one more night but you're learning how to share it together we can show you how to do it with your spouse and we can show you how to maybe do it with one or two other families too third thing is this serve guys i I become more convinced of this every day each of you in this room and i mean each of you from those seven week old packer and bears fans that were up here the oldest of you in this room, each of you has a ministry to this body and a mission to this world. God has called each of you to play a part in this body and in his kingdom at large that no one else can fill, not like you. And I'm here to tell you today you will never find the fulfillment and purpose and meaning in life that you crave until you tap into that. It's how God called you. And it's how God wired you. The fourth that I put is this. Tithe. We talked about this earlier. Invest in real and tangible ways. Sacrifice. Make God the center of your financial life rather than a tack-on or periphery squeezed in from the outside. Take the leap of faith. Jump out there and trust God. I love what it says in Malachi, where God says, test me in this. God actually says, put me to the test and see if I deliver. See if I am the God that I say that I am. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven upon you. Do you trust God? Do you believe him? Man, take the leap. And I know, believe me, I know there are some sitting in this room going, oh man, Dave, there is no way. There is no way. Then I'm here to tell you today, do everything in your power to make a way. Scrimp and save and reduce your spending. Fight off death and defeat it. Crush it before your feet. Grow and fight for it. Fight to make it a reality. Take a challenge. Say, for the next 30 days, then I'm going to do 3%. And God, I am stepping out in such faith. And God, I'm afraid I'm going to crash and burn and see what happens after 30 days. And when that 30 days comes, go, God, I am going to go to 4%. Lord, dear God, sustain me. Test him in this. Take him at his word. It will be a revolution of the heart for you. Fifth, persistently invite until five more come. 
I love that word persistently. Again and again and again. See, here's the reality, guys. You can't make someone come to fellowship of faith. And even if you could, it wouldn't be the right spirit. But what you can do is keep inviting. What you can do is keep telling about what God is doing in your life and in the life of the people that you fellowship with. You can tell them what you're hoping to see God do in you and through you, and you can tell them some of the things that you've been saying. And you can tell hundreds of people, because I guarantee there are at least five people in your sphere of influence who are desperately dying for a place to connect and a God to walk with, to commit to say, I am going to get out there and do it again and again and to five more come. Come to what? I don't know. Maybe it's here at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Maybe it's at 9 a.m. Maybe it's your kid inviting another to The Rock or a student to Fuse. Maybe it's to your small group, your discipleship group, Christianity 101. See, the entry point doesn't have to be the same. It's going to look different depending on who you're talking to in the context of the conversation. But the point is this. Get out there and get people in the game. Five core things. What I think it's going to take for us here at Fellowship of Faith to start recording wins on the scorecard. Committing to worship 40 times or more here at this place. Actively participating in one of these groups. Serving. Tithing. And persistently inviting five more. Or persistently inviting until five more come. Because I guess I'll, I'll tell you. If we come together and we do this, we're going to look at those metrics that I showed you in the beginning of the service a year from now, and we're going to blow them away. More than that, we commit to do this. You are going to experience the working of God in you and through you in ways you would never have dreamed would be happening today. There is so much that God wants to do in you. And there is so much God wants to do through you. Do you realize that? God wants you to win. And he wants this church to win. And he lays before us a way to make it happen. God want it. Remember when we cheered for that FOF logo 20 minutes ago or whatever it was? Remember that? Will you translate that energy and to what happens off the field. Will you practice hard like your life depends on it? Will you throw yourself in it like you want this more than anything else? Because I tell you, if you do, this church will prevail and God will explode. And you, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But for this team to win, everyone who wears these colors has got to be in the game. Amen? I'm sitting here debating in my mind right now. Thinking of a coach in a locker room at a training day before a big game, asking his team if he wanted them to win. And I'm thinking of what a, a coach would do in a situation if he got that kind of response. <laughs> you, you know? Amen? Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I want to do. The band's going to come on up. This is the challenge, guys, that I'm laying to each of you, each and every one of you who calls this place home. Member or not, I don't care. 
If you call this place home, if you're connecting here, this is the challenge to you. And I want you to take it seriously. I want you to look it in the eye, because we're drawing, drawing a line and saying, step up to the line in the sand. Make it happen. I think for each of us, in our own way, certain of these five points are going to come easy, and certain of these five points are going to stare us in the face and scare us to death. We're going to be on the line, looking at that lineman, looking in our eyes, going, there is no way. The only way you break the line is to say, with God's help, I'm going to make a way. I am busting through that line. I'm going to win. We're going to win this game. Commit here and now to winning the game. The, the worship team is going to lead us through some music. As they are, the ushers are going to come forward. As they do, they're going to hand you something. They're going to ask you to commit to being in the game. See, it's a... Uh, and I'll just come on through. You know, a lot of churches will do these things like financial commitments, pledge drives. You know, they know it's an integral part of people rising to that one challenge, but it kind of strikes me. Isn't there other things as equally important as giving that we need to commit ourselves to as a body of Christ for a church to prevail? Besides, what will be my giving challenge? And so these five things, we're laying it out for you. We're asking you to commit to it. We're asking you to pledge yourself to it. You can start handing them out. Pledge yourself to it. Commit. Say, yeah, I want to make my team win, and I want to be the first one on the field every day, the last one to leave practice. You, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Commit to this. You know, we don't want you to do it rashly. We don't want you to just, you know, and it not mean anything. So if you're sweating over it, good. You should be. Sweat over it, because you know what? There's not many winners in this world. It's restricted to the few who are willing to fight for it no matter what it takes, and that's not many people. But I think you have the capacity to be those people. Fill it out. Next Sunday, or the Sunday after. Next Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday, we invite you to start bringing them in. We're going to make it part of our worship time. People want to commit to being in the game. Guys, I hope you play. I hope you play hard. And I hope you do whatever it takes to put a W on your scorecard. It's Dave.